everybody doing tonight? Good? Having a good week? Everybody back to school? School treating you good? That's all right. You can leave it. I like the smell. You're good. Uh, listen up. If you are new here tonight, welcome. My name is Justin. I'm excited to be here and spend some time with you guys. If you're not new, you're aware that we're in the middle of a series called The Cause, correct? And uh, last week we talked about prayer. We talked about this big word, intercession, those of you who weren't here. Um, intercession basically means to pray on someone's behalf. And we talked about um, praying for our friends and what we must do in order to effectively pray for our friends and deepening ourselves. Tonight we're going to continue in the series and we're going to talk about a word, pursue. Now, when you hear the word pursue, you are not alone in thinking, okay, pursue, guy, girl, guy pursues the girl, guy wants to go after the girl, or in some cases, if you're that guy, girl goes after the guy, that's okay, if that's your preference, whatever. Um, but you're not, you're not wrong in thinking that. There is, a, there is good implications in the guy-girl pursuit, and we're going to talk about those. Luckily tonight, my girlfriend Lauren is in the back. She's a beautiful blonde sitting back there on the floor. Give Lauren a hand. And so I think, you know, sit down. I think it's appropriate for me to share the story. I think it's appropriate for me to share the story of when I pursued Lauren. So it goes like this. About a year ago, she came to this church and she was applying for a job here as the preschool director, as some of you know. And so she shows up at the church and she's walking around with Shannon, one of our pastors, and she uh, attends the nine o'clock service. And I'd been leading worship that day. So after I got done, I stood back by the sound booth and when the service was over, she came walking out. And I saw her with Shannon and I was like, I want that one. And I watched her walk by, and my jaw hit the floor, and a little drool came out and made a little puddle. And then when she was gone, I realized I was staring, and that's creepy, so I, I had to stop and just walk away. So I had lunch over here in this room, and then I was coming back through the lobby, and I saw her again. And luckily, Shannon Waples, being the friendly guy he is, introduced us. And he said, Justin, this is Lauren. She's applying to be our new preschool director. He said her name is Lauren Wilkins. And so I did what any guy does at that point, Lauren Wilkins, Lauren Wilkins, Lauren Wilkins, Lauren Wilkins, Lauren Wilkins. Didn't want to forget that name. Going to be useful later, as all of us know. And so I shook her hand, and I was polite and cool. I'm like, yeah, hey. Hey, Lauren, Justin. I, I was leading worship up there, in case you didn't see me. I was that guy up there, you know, using my platform as a Christian to get girls. Always a good idea. Just kidding. Don't do it. So, you know, we met, and it was great. And, you know, what's the next thing you do then? I ran back to the green room, I got on my Mac, I flipped it open, I get on Facebook, Lauren Wilkins, Lauren Wilkins, Lauren Wilkins, found her. Crap, she blocks everything, so I know nothing about her. I gotta add her as a friend. Great. So, of course, I click friend, invite, and then what do you do? You don't wanna be that creepy guy who just sends out one of those blank invites, so I thought, gotta write her a message. So I open up the message to Lauren, and I think of a catchy little tighter title, hey, future 12 stoner, you know, wanna make her part of the family. And then I begin to craft this, this message, and everything around me kind of just blocks out, and I zone in. And I'm typing. I'm like, yep, yep, oh, yeah, she'll like, that's a lie. I can't say that. Maybe I can, you know. And I just finish this perfect message, get done. I look at it, and I'm like, no, that's too long. Erase the whole thing, 145 characters. I'm keeping it to that. I'm going. So I finish the message, and I send it away. And then I wait. And if you've ever done this, if you've ever pursued a girl or began to pursue a girl or guy and you send that first vulnerable message, as soon as you hit send, your heart just goes boom, 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 and the game begins. And then the ball's in her court. She can respond to the message or she cannot. 
And it is worse to get no message back because then here's this girl coming to our church to work with me. I'll see her every day and she's a girl that didn't even write me a message back. So I have no idea if she got it, how she felt about it. I would rather her write me back and say, bro, hate ya, see ya. That's it. I'm, I'm better with that one. But she did write me back. I got home and I saw there was a message. I got excited. I clicked on it. And guys, what's the first thing we look for? The length. Because you know that if her paragraph message is longer than yours, she's in. It doesn't matter. She gets in there and says, you're creep. I don't know you. I just met you. I hate you. I'm getting off Facebook. I'm moving to Tahiti. I think you're a weirdo. Don't talk me again. Her message was longer than mine. She loves me. She's in. And not only that, if the girl leaves questions for you to answer, that's like the door's just gone, whoom. And of course, I'm just going to walk right on through it. There it is. She's got questions. I got questions. You want to know about this? I got answers to that. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you that. And of course, I leave message because the pursuit continues. And I saw that, okay, she is mutually pursuing me. And there's something great about the pursuit between a guy and a girl, a girl and a guy. It has passion and it has intensity and it has vigor and it can't be stopped and it won't be slowed down and it doesn't usually stop at no. But that's not the kind of pursuit we're talking about tonight. Tonight we're talking about pursuing your friends, not in the romantic relationship, but pursuing your friends with hopes that they may change or that they may be redeemed. And we're going to go outside of our friends. We're going to say pursuing your families because there may be times where God calls you to, to have conversations with your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friends that are uncomfortable and they pull us out of our comfort zone and they, it's a big ask of us from God. And we may, some of you here tonight may think, you know, I need to have a conversation with my mom or dad because they don't know the Lord. But how am I, their son or daughter, going to have that conversation? Well, I think that talking about pursue is best illustrated in the life of Jonah. Most of us are familiar with, with the story of Jonah. If not, I'm going to recap it tonight. Um, but we all know that Jonah pursued Nineveh and, and went to their shores, went and pursued Nineveh, found the king of Nineveh, and shared a message Jonah, being a minor prophet, heard from God that, that Nineveh was going to be destroyed, goes to Nineveh and pursued them, shared the good news with them. They repented of their sins, and God spared them. But what we also know about the story is that it didn't just happen that easy. Nineveh, or Jonah didn't just say, okay, God, you want me to pursue them? Deal. I'm going. I love you. Perfect. No. Jonah, Jonah first pushed back. And Jonah, through his journey and, and the process of pursuing Nineveh, stopped in three stages that we're going to talk about tonight. And what, what we need to do as Christians in, in the story of Jonah is we need to recognize our Nineveh. For him, it was going to the great city. It was um, crossing a sea and going. And for you, it may be that friend. It may be that parent. It may be the boyfriend or girlfriend. I don't know. But we're going to go there tonight. And one thing that we learn through the story of Jonah and through his process is three steps. Tarshish, uh, the fish in the shores of Nineveh that we'll talk about. We learn that pursuit requires surrender. Say that with me. Pursuit requires surrender. One more time. Pursuit requires surrender. And we ask, surrender of what? What did Jonah have to surrender to? Well, in the beginning of the story, it starts off, we see that God begins to pursue Jonah. God comes to Jonah and says, hey, Nineveh is, is a wreck. It's a mess. And, you know, I'm going to do some damage there. So you got to go and you got you to gotta give him this message. And Jonah pushes back and he's like, uh, God, no, you know, you're going to spare him anyway. Why do I have to go? And he, he, he resists, he disobeys, he doesn't surrender. And as we just said, pursue requires surrender. So what, what does God do with a heart that's not surrendered? He breaks it. 
Not in that sense. We'll get there. I don't mean he, you know, hurt your feelings. Um, but the first thing that, that Jonah does is he escapes, and he goes to Tarshish. You all know how to spell Tarshish? I'm going to teach you right now. Tarshish. And that, for us, is an escape. How many of you have ever, I mean, this is a 180-degree geological turn. He says, go to Nineveh, and Jonah says, no, goes in the complete opposite direction. How many of you have ever done the complete opposite of what you've been told to do? I have. And the rest of you are liars, so you're doing it right now. I used to teach a camp where inner city kids would come out to the country where I live and we'd stay in a cottage and I'd teach them how to fish and we'd go horseback riding and do kinds of stuff you do in the country that they can't do in the city. Well, one summer, the first week, I had this rowdy group of kids and we're all driving in the car and I knew they were going to be rowdy. So the first night, it's time to go to bed and I'm sitting at the kitchen table getting ready for a day plan and I hear the, the toilet flush about nine times. I'm like, okay. We've eaten a lot of country food. Maybe it doesn't agree with their little city stomachs. You know, maybe they have to use the bathroom that much. I don't know. But by about flush 12, I thought, okay, I should probably go in there and see what's going on. Could be bad. So I walk in, and when I walk in the bathroom, I see water all over the floor. I see a little boy in the corner, Darius, and he is soaking wet, and he's hysterically laughing. And I look behind me, and I see all the bigger kids, and they're all kind of not laughing as much. Some are pretending to read. Some are, like, just looking at the ceiling. And, you know, I'm a smart guy. I put it together. It's swirly time. So this kid is getting a swirly. And I said, Darius, did those guys give you a swirly? And he's just cracking up. Yeah, yeah, they gave me a swirly. I'm soaking wet. It was awesome. I'm like, awesome? Awesome? And I asked the kid, I said, why are you giving him a swirly? What's going on? He told us to. He wanted a swirly. I'm like, is that true? You wanted a swirly? He's like, yeah, it's so fun. You should try it. Darius, do you know what we use toilets for here in the country? You're voluntarily sticking your head in there? We flushed it first. Oh, as sanitary as that makes it, stop. And so I quickly, quickly ceased that process of fun. Put him to bed and, and got him dried off, cleaned up. Everybody goes to bed. I'm thinking, what in the world with these kids? They're sticking their heads in the toilet. I didn't think that was going to be a problem. So I go to bed. About five minutes later, what do I hear? Kawoosh. I'm like, all right, nobody goes to the bathroom that fast, even if they're 60 years old. I don't care who you are. And so I go into the bedroom. I sling open the door. I turn on the light. His bed's empty. The pillow is soaking wet. There's a little pile of water beside it. And every other kid is in bed just like this. And you've all done it. Don't act like you haven't. When mom and dad comes in to yell at you, you're asleep. Even if you've been there for 60 seconds, you are dead to the world. And I sling open the door. I'm like, guys, come on. Huh? What, Mr. J? Man, I'm sleeping. Yeah, for all of 30 seconds. Get up. I said, where's Darius? I look in the bathroom. He's not there. He had gone into the closet, and he was in the, all the pillowcases, drying off as fast as he could. I'm like, you got to swirly again, didn't you? Didn't you? No, Mr. J, I'm sweating. I, I'm sweating bad. It's hot in here. I'm like, no, you're a liar. You got to swirly. But his, his best escape route was to the closet. There was one of two options, as if I wasn't going to find him. And we laugh and stuff like that, but Jonah does the same thing here, and we do the same thing here. God makes an ask of us. God pursues us and says, hey, I got this for you. I got this ask of you. I got this question. And we have one of two responses. We say, yeah, God, I'm in. I'll do that. Or like we talked about last week, we click ignore. We click not now. We put God off. And it may not be that we're running away. We're not going and hiding. We're not going to another house. We're not physically trying to escape the presence of God but we escape with our attitude. We blatantly say, no, God, not interested. That's not for me. Or we escape with 
with other methods, and we escape with, um, they threw me off. I wrote it down, sorry. We, we just blatantly ignore God. We act like it's not there. We say, you know, we just say, oh, I think I hear God talking to me, so it must be this, and we pursue this. And we always avoid Nineveh, and we escape. And we know that pursuing requires surrender. So how do we get from Tarshish to the next step? We surrender. We say, okay, God, I'm in. So we go to Jonah, who on the ship to Tarshish, we know the waves crash up, the ship is just going crazy, and the people cast lots, and they find out, okay, Jonah, your God's mad at you for something, so make it right, because we're about to die, and we're not going to die for you. And Jonah says, okay, cast me over, kill me. He said, yeah, yeah, it's me. I I fled from God when he made an ask of me. And the thing that we forget here is that Jonah, as far as he's concerned, thinks he's dead. He thinks he's going to die. He doesn't know that God is going to spare his life. And the people who throw him overboard, they even pray for forgiveness, say, forgive us for, for killing this man. And they chuck him overboard into the water, into the crazy waves and stuff like that. So as far as Jonah's concerned, his disobedience led him to death. And we often think, okay, we wouldn't be scared to fall off the ship because we know God's going to protect us. He didn't know that. We read the story and we know that. He didn't know that. He's in the water and all he knows, he's going to drown. And have you ever gotten close to drowning? or thought you had, it is one of the scariest experiences you'll ever have. If I'm going, the day that I die, drowning is like, if this is the list, which is gonna be short list, because I don't wanna die. It's gonna be at the very bottom, because it scares me to death. I wanna die from being scared of drowning, not from drowning. So Jonah's in the water, and he's freaking out. And I had an experience like this my junior year of college. When you get to college, you'll find out that, uh, at least in my college, we had two dorm rooms, and they shared a bathroom. And in the bathroom was a shower. And the shower had a glass door, so it was like a little water closet kind of thing. And so I love to take baths. I don't know about you guys, but growing up, I love to take baths. I love to sit in the hot tub. So one day I'm like, you know what? I need to make me a bath because we don't have one here. So I got my roommates, and I got in the shower in my bathing suit, and I shut the door. And they barricaded the door shut with chairs. And I took plastic, and I taped it up the sides of the shower and all down the drain. And I turned the shower on, and I waited. And I stood there. And the water got up to my ankles, and I thought, this is going to be a long, long time. But it was worth it, because I wanted to take a bath. And so it gets up to my knees, and it's been about an hour now, and my friends are like, hey, man, we're going to go get Taco Bell, because we're not just going to sit in the bathroom while you do this. We don't really understand it anyway, so we're going to get Taco Bell. And I pleaded, I'm like, no, don't leave me here. I have nowhere to go, nothing to do. But you'll learn this. If, if, if your friends in college, if it's you or Taco Bell, you lose every time. It don't matter what time it is, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, whatever, you lose to Taco Bell. And I don't blame them. I would have gone too. So I'm standing in the shower. Two hours pass. It's up to my waist. They're back. And we're all getting excited because, like, it's happening. I'm going to be the kid that made a bath in a shower. It's going to be awesome. Everybody's talked about it, but I'm doing it. Here I am, waist deep. So another three hours in to this adventure, it's up to my chest. And I can see the finish line. And then all of a sudden, I, I, I hear those words I'll never forget. Abort mission abort mission. My friend Ben was on the outside and he yelled, the water is starting to break the door. It's too much weight. You got to pull the plug. And I said, I can't do it. We're so close. He's like, you got to pull the plug. Get out now. And so I said, okay, I just got to do a flip. So I do one front flip in there and I get up and he's like looking over at that. He's like, yes, cool. Do another one. Do another one. So I do another flip. And by the time I come up, he's like, nope, water's coming out. Abort, abort. So I stick my head under and the water's up to here now. And I bite the plastic and I pull the plastic away from the drain. And I didn't account for one thing. 
there's going to be some suction that's created when that water goes through the drain. So I smash my face to the floor of the shower, and I can't escape it. It's got a cheek like this. And so I keep rolling and rolling, but it hurts worse than I pull. So I have to think either my cheek or my life, and I chose my life. So I slid up, and I'm out of air, and I, uh, uh, I get to the top. I'm screaming for help, but they can't get in because they can't unbarricade the door in time. And I pull the plastic up, and I'm choking on water, and it rushes under the door and floods both our rooms. There's like this much water in both our rooms, all over, all over. And it's all said and done, two minutes of just terror. And we're all sitting soaking wet on the bathroom floor, and Ben looks at me and goes, you cried for your mom. And it's in that point I realized that he was right. In the midst of all that, I cried out for mommy. I'm not proud of it, but it did happen. But I thought I was dead. I thought I was going to drown. Jonah, in the water, thought he was dead, thought he was going to drown. And God sends a great fish, boom, swallows him up. I think it was a catfish. I just, because I like catfish. So he gets swallowed by a fish. And a lot of us think, man, God, you're mean. You made a, you swallowed him up by a fish. But we forget that Jonah being swallowed by a fish saved him from drowning. It was God's protection. He protected him. God continued to pursue Jonah. He went after Jonah. Said, Jonah, I asked you to go to Nineveh. I pursued you so you'd surrender to me and you'd pursue them. Jonah finds himself in the fish and, uh, I call this, for no other words, Jonah's fish moment. Fish moment. And for us, this is what we call today in the process our breaking point. And I call it that because what happens to Jonah in the belly of the fish is he is isolated from all that he knows. He's isolated from his friends, from his family, from his home, from his comfort zones, and he finds himself in a dark belly of a fish for three days and three nights with his thoughts, and with the presence of God. And that begins to, to mess with him. And we find ourselves there sometimes. We have those moments that we, don't, we can't explain it. We feel lonely, and we feel like you know, our friends have abandoned us. We feel distant from our family. We feel distant from all that we're comfortable with, and we can't define it. We don't know what to do. But it's in those moments that God calls us to dependency on him. God calls us for desperation for him, to call out for him. God calls us to change and what Jonah does is he begins to realize the magnitude of God's ask on his life. He begins to realize that, hey, God is pursuing me to pursue these people because this is something that's a little bigger than me. This has a little more to do than just Jonah. And when God makes that ask of you for your friends, your family, it has a little more to do than just you and just your obedience with God. And so God began to break him. And God will begin to break you if you allow him. And when we surrender to the pursuit, God is able to use us to pursue you get that? When we get to that point where we say, God, I no longer am going to escape you. I no longer am going to ignore you. I no longer am going to say no or run away. We become broken. And we realize that God is all we have to live for. And we become dependent on him. And we rely on him. And we surrender our hearts to him. And something awesome happens in that. He's able to use us. And so Jonah does just that. He cries out to God in a prayer. And he says, God, I vowed this to you. And to this I will give you. And what does the fish do? It vomits him up. That's what I love about God. He's like, yeah, Jonah, I'm going to spare your life, but you're going to sit in some vomit. Let's just get serious here. And so he vomits him up on the shore of Nineveh. And I call this uh, Nineveh shore moment for Jonah. Nineveh. And for us, it's embracing our call. Embracing our call. And what I mean by that is this is the moment where Jonah stood on the shore of Nineveh and he had arrived at where God had called him to. 
and he's overwhelmed at the task ahead, a great city of Nineveh. And he's to go in and tell them that they're going to perish. And he's going to share the good news. And he's so overwhelmed, but he is so empowered by the path of pursuing. God had pursued him. Excuse me. I know that was gross. God had pursued him. And he had responded by this point through escaping and being brought back and being broken. And now he had, he had embraced his call from God. And I know that, that the idea of sharing Christ with someone who doesn't know Christ, may it be at school or at home or wherever, is terrifying because you think, I'm just going to be annoying to them or I'm going to upset them or they're not going to understand. And Jonah had all those same thoughts. He walks in and, and he starts to pursue the king and he finds the king and he tells the king, hey, my name's Jonah. Here's what God said. And the king receives it. And if your friends respond in the same way as the king, other than the repentance and the, the thanksgiving, I'd be a little weirded out because what the king does is he tears his clothes and he sits in ashes. So if you share Christ with your friends and they tear their clothes and sit in ashes, it is extremely weird, but it's biblical. So don't go crazy on them. But basically what we do in that moment, when we embrace our call, when we stand on Nineveh's shores, we say, God, not my will, but yours. We stand in obedience. We embrace who God has called us to be. And we surrender ourselves to God. We give God our heart willingly and he is able to use us for his purpose, for his kingdom. Jonah prayed a prayer in, in uh, chapter two, verse nine, in the belly of the fish that some of you need to pray tonight. He said, but I, with a th song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. What Jonah says to God at the end of his prayer, with thanksgiving, when he's been in a fish for three days and he has every right just to be so angry and just been out of shape, he says, God, with thanksgiving, I give to you. I vow what I vowed to give to you, I give to you. And I know that salvation comes from you alone. And so maybe some of you need to pray that tonight. Maybe you vowed some things to God that you haven't given him fully. You said, God, I give you this, I surrender this, and I'm gonna pursue my friends, but you're still hanging on to it. Maybe some of you are right here tonight, and you know it. You escape because either you ignore, or you blatantly just don't do it, and you find yourself in Tarshish. And maybe some of you are, are in a fish moment, your breaking point where you feel God working in your life and you feel God tugging at your heart and you know what you're supposed to do, but you're just having trouble giving it over and letting it go. You're just having trouble with the whole dependence of it because it's so vulnerable and so uncomfortable and there's so much tension there. And maybe some of you are here. You've embraced your call. You're standing on Nineveh's shore, so to speak, and you're looking at the task ahead, a little overwhelmed, but knowing that God is faithful. The key, if you're here, or if you're here or you're here, the key in between each one of these to get to the next is surrender because pursuit starts with surrender. And so what took Jonah from escape to his breaking point was surrender, going over the boat. And what took him from his breaking point to embracing his call was surrender. And when we finally get there to embrace our call, what do we do? God, not your will, or not my will, but yours be done. We surrender unto him. So if you're here last week, gave these out. Some of you still have yours. You put it by your computer. You're praying for a friend. You're pursuing that friend in prayer. Some of you are thinking, I need to go get that out of my mom's car or my Bible or wherever it ended up. But I would encourage you, this right here, one friend. 
Surrender unto God, pray for them, pursue them. Because here's the thing, listen up. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. You may be that person's only choice, only chance. They may not hear from anything else. It's so easy to say, you know, we got a group of friends and they know people who are in the point, so maybe they'll speak to him. But that means you don't have a surrendered heart. A surrendered heart says, God, give me an opportunity to speak to that person. God, give me a chance. I want to share the gospel with them. I want to talk to them. I want to tell them about Jesus because it matters. And if I don't, the ramifications of that are devastating. And if that's not your attitude towards your friends, I would encourage you to surrender. I would encourage you to invite God in and pray that prayer Jonah prayed. God, you can have my heart. What I vowed to you, I will give you. So bow your heads with me. As we close tonight, I just want to pray for you. Because I not, not once will I promise that surrender and all of this is easy. Not once will I promise you that, you know, if you surrender your life to God instantly, you'll have more friends and conversations will be easier. It's hard. It is hard. But that's where our dependence on Christ comes and our desperation for him. So let me pray for you tonight. God, I pray. I pray for my brothers and sisters here. God, that those who are in a place of escape, God, who ignore your prompts, who ignore the tension that you create, ignore your calling, God, I pray that they would surrender to you. God, that you would break the walls down in their heart. God, that they would give you their heart. That you would be able to use them. God, I pray us to a place where we embrace the call that you've put on our life. God, where we go forth and we don't live our life for ourselves, but we live it for, as Jesus said, his greatest commandment. We live it to love you, to love others. God, that's your greatest law. And so I pray that my brothers and sisters will go forth and do just that. They'll be diligent in prayer for their friends. They'll have conversations. They'll lay their own life down so that they may gain it. I thank you for them. I pray you bless them this week at school. Protect them. God, show them your love. In your name I pray. Amen.